1928 episode. Collingwood come into the new season riding the success of their first flag in eight years. A big relief to the club. Yet through the adversity of the 1928 season, they search for more success. Finally, one of the new teams finishes above the bottom three. But which one? St Kilda bring in an old favourite to hopefully bring their team some success. Plus, we have more suggestions for the McCracken Name Award to see if anyone can dislodge jazz legs. All that and more coming up after the song. It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick show Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman To hear what they all have to say Welcome to the 1928 episode of the Kick to Kick podcast. Uh, my name is Tim. Sitting opposite me is Coops. Oh, hello. Hello, um, everyone. We have no Kazman tonight. We have no Kaz. It's, it's just it feels us. strangely empty in here. It Timmy. does. Um, but that's the all heart right. and we'll... soul. The glue that holds this show together is <laughs> literally because <laughs> he, he edits it. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls it all together. But uh, yeah, hopefully, we're missing. Yeah, hopefully we can keep that uh, together. Um, hello to our listeners in both the Carolinas in America, North and South. North and South We've had Carolina. Downloads in North and South Carolina. Fantastic. We're really ticking off those states of America. Yeah, I love that. That's great. We should have a little map that we can just tick them off as we go around the world. Yeah, scratch it should, off. Maybe we should get one of those scratch maps. Scratch maps, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's an unpaid advertisement, by yes. the way, guys. You can feel free to send us one if you like. Um, yeah, so we're here to talk about the 1928 episode. It is the second of the machine years. Mm, yeah, I think everyone knows where this is ending up, mm. unfortunately. But yeah. not, not well, not unfortunately. It'll be. It's an interesting one. Yeah, no, they, always they're all, interesting. They're all interesting. Yeah. Um, let's start by getting to some history first, though, Charlie. Oh, shall we, please? Nineteen twenty-eight. Uh, yeah. Good year. Good Great year. year. <laughs> Great Was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, one. Hit song for that year that I've chosen is "T for Texas" or "Blue Yodel Number One" by Jimmy Rogers. Look, we'll have a very quick listen. You won't hear the yodel in this part, but we'll hear some yodeling later on. Excellent. That's what I want to hear. What happened to uh, Blue Yodel number two, three, four, and five? Do you well, reckon? It's like Mumbo number five. I mean, where were <laughs> the first few numbers? Mumbos. Yeah, who yeah. knows? So that song will keep playing in the background. Uh, listen out for the yodeling. Great. I can't wait. Um, so let's let's hit up some events that happened around the world in 1928, Timmy. Okay. Well, for, let's start local. Let's start Australian. Yeah. All right. On the 17th of May, the Royal Flying Doctor Service made its first official flight from Cloncurry to Julia <laughs> Creek. Uh on the 6th of November, Statesman won the Melbourne Cup. On the 20th of December, Hubert Wilkins made his first made the first flight over Antarctica in his Lockheed Vega named San Francisco. And he was an Australian? He was an Australian, yeah. Um, on the 29th of December, the jazz singer was became the first sound film screened in Australia, which pre- premiered at the Lyceum Theatre in Sydney. Nice. And also... Uh, there's a couple of other things without dates. The first Australian Grand Prix was held at Phillip Island. Oh, yeah. Bobby Pearce was the only gold medal winner for Australia at the 1928 Olympics. He won the men's 200-metre skulls, so rowing. Yep. Um, Victoria won the Sheffield Shield. 
and the first ever Speedos were produced. Hey! The original budgie smugglers were right they, there. Were they like Speedos or was it like a full bodysuit? See, I don't actually know, but I'm hoping that they were, you know, just the classic Speedo. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be quite risque back then. Oh, wouldn't it just? Um, I've also got here that New South Wales voted against prohibition in uh, 28. Oh, there you go. A bit of Australian history. A bit of Australian history. Love yeah. that. Uh, so then moving moving our uh, eyes further across to the world. Are we proper. into depression yet? Has depression been... Well, wasn't... Tw- I'm pretty sure next year 29 is the big crash. Okay, so no. So, yeah, is that the start? I think that's the start of yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Um, so, on the 1st of January, abolition of domestic slavery in the British Protectorate of Sierra Leone, Sierra Sierra Leone. Leone came into effect. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, on January 6th and 7th, the Thames flooded in London and 14 drowned. Wow. On the 7th, the moat at the Tower of London, which was drained almost 100 years before, was completely refilled by the river. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Um on February 11th to the 19th, the 1928 Winter Olympics were held in San Moritz, which was the first as a separate event, as you remember oh, we spoke yeah, about this last time. Yep. Um, on the 12th of April, a bomb attack against um, Benito Mussolini in Milan killed 17 bystanders. Another one. Didn't, didn't someone try to get him I last know, year yeah. as well? Yep. They've been trying. They haven't quite got there. <laughs> um, and on the 7th of May, a passage of the Representation of the People Act in the UK lowered the voting age for women from 30 to 21, which gave them equal suffrage with men. Ooh, nice. Um, on the 15th of May, the animated short Plain Crazy was released by Disney in LA, which is the first appearance of Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Before Steamboat? Yes. Mickey? It was not distributed, though, this film. So okay. Steamboat Willie was actually later this same year. Ah. Um, on the 17th and 18th of June, Amelia Earhart became the first woman to make a successful transatlantic flight as a passenger okay. in a Fokker. Um, in a what? A Fokker. Uh, <laughs> which was pil- piloted by Wilma Stultz. I'm just going to keep on moving yeah. from Newfoundland to Wales. Um, yeah, so she was the first to, to fly it and also the first to be a, pl- a passenger, I believe. Um, on the 7th of July, and this might be my favourite fact from 1928 for you, Timmy. Is it as good as the molasses explosion? It's, yes, okay. I think so. <laughs> the first machine-sliced and machine-wrapped loaf of bread was <laughs> sold in Missouri. Wow. Yeah, right? Great. That's as good as sliced bread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, on... At the end of July and the first two weeks of August, the 28th Summer Olympics were held in Amsterdam, um, opening with the lighting of the Olympic flame. Women's athletics and gymnastics debuted at these games, and discus thrower Helena Konopaka of Poland became the first female Olympic gold medalist for a track or field event. Mm. Coca-Cola also entered Europe as the sponsor of these games. There you go. Um on September the 3rd, Alexander Fleming at St. Mary's Hospital accidentally <laughs> rediscovered the penicillin. Hey. And on November the 10th, the MGM lion roared for the first time at the beginning of the film White Shadows in the South Seas. Awesome. How cool is that? November 18th, as I said before, Mickey Mouse appeared in Steamboat Willie. This is the third one released with the first sound film and the first to be generally distributed. So there you go. So there's a bit of interesting trivia yeah. for you now. You can be like, 
you can be that smart asks who asks the question and then goes, oh, actually, no. <laughs> I love that one. Um, on the 21st of December, the Congress approved the construction of the Boulder Dam, which was relayed and named the Hoover, Hoover Dam. And uh, just after that, Elliot Ness began to lead the Prohibition Unit in Chicago, which is the story of the Untouchables, yeah, the film The Untouchables. So that's Kevin Costner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other interesting events from you, Timmy? Uh, Japanese Emperor Hirohito is crowned. Good man. I always liked his style. Really? No, I didn't know. No, not no. really. No. I had no time for him. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? No, that's no. all I had. Yeah. Uh, and then births, moving on to births. So in Australia, on the 30th of May, we had Pro Heart, the artist. You know, he did those ads. You'd, you'd definitely remember this. He did those ads for, uh, was it Hoover or Dyson, yeah. where he did the big paintings oh. in the carpet. Oh, and then, Mr. Mr. Hart. Mr. Hart. Yeah. What a mess. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, yeah. That's him, Pro. I do remember that. Um, in June, Mike Williamson, the sports commentator. On the 12th of June, Bob Davis, the footballer. Ah, Bobby Davis. Yeah. And on the 12th of August, Charles Blackman, the painter who died last year. Um, and then so a few worldwide births for you. you got Fats Domino. Hey. Yeah, classic. On uh, February the 26th. He was a mu- musician. He sounds like a gangster, but he wasn't. No. Um, on April 4th, you got Maya Angelou. April 7th, James Garner, who only died, what, five years ago, I think. You know, the actor? Okay. Yeah. He's in uh, The Notebook, Tim, as if you don't know that. <laughs> Come on. Uh, on the 23rd of April, Shirley Temple was born. On the 12th of May, Burt Bacharach. Hey. On 23rd of May, Rosemary Clooney, the American singer and actress and auntie of George. Um, on the 26th of May, Jack Kevorkian, Dr. Kevorkian, the right to die advocate. Yep. On the 10th of June, Maurice Sendak, the children's yep, the author, author wrote Where the Wild Things Are. Yep. On the 19th of June, now this one's a bit, <laughs> a lot of people might not know who this guy is, but Tommy DeVito, who was a, a musician and one of the orig- original members of the Four Seasons. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was the guitarist. Is this because you saw yeah, I Jersey just Boys saw recently? Jersey Boys recently <laughs> and that one stuck out to me. On uh, the 28th of June, Hans Blix, the Swedish yep. diplomat, was born. And July 26th, Stanley Kubrick. August the 6th, Andy Warhol. December the 7th, Noam Chomsky, the American... It sounded like I put a P in there, didn't it? Noam Chomsky, the American linguist. <laughs> And on December the 30th, Bo Diddley, the American musician as well, was born. Uh, that's everything? That's everything. That's everyone who was born that's, that year? That's every single person who was born that year. Good. It was yeah. an amazing year. <laughs> it was a depression. No, not yet. Oh, no, it's almost a depression, yeah. This is the last of it. Yeah. This is the last of the good times. Yeah. Um, now, because Kaz isn't here, you might be worried, listeners, that uh, we're not going to get to the uh, McCracken Name Award, which oh, we yes. instituted last episode. But uh, fret not, because we, we have texted him the, the suggestions that we will uh, put forth, and he will let us know by the end of the show which one he believes. Oh, if, if, if someone can dethrone Hercules... Uh, not Hercules, Luigi... Uh, Jazz Legs Jazz Legs better, better. Yeah. Sorry They sound like part of the same gang though Yeah I know Herc Valuji is a bit earlier I'm sure he will win one uh, retrospectively I think so So yeah Double check our website uh, Kicktokick.com.au No Just kicktokick.com Kicktokickpodcast.com Kicktokickpodcast.com Yeah yep. <laughs> um, To see a retrospective list So that, yes, that should be up and running now 
Definitely. Hopefully we've updated it by the time you've heard this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get to the 1928 episode, Charlie. Yes, let's do it. Uh, so to some league news first. Uh, the league amended the rule so that players who were tackled had to be held before they were compelled to drop the ball. And this change was supposed to increase the pace of the game. Yeah. Okay. Have we heard that before? Trying to Hang on. I'm tr- oh, no, we haven't heard that yeah. as a reason for a rule. Although, well, we have a lot now, but not at that time. Yeah, so yeah. They, the interpretation of the rule was reinterpreted, I suppose. Okay. So that you had to, they had to be held to drop the ball rather than, I guess, tapping them and they've dropped the ball. Like pushing. Like, you have to properly yeah. tackle someone to get a hold in the ball. Yeah, so the they're not. Kick. So if the ball spills free, then someone else can. Yeah. Yeah, just like it is now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good. I think. Yeah, well, who, yeah, knows who, knows? who knows? Uh, on May 21st, a special meeting of the Victorian Football League was held to consider a proposal initiated by Mr. T.H. McBride, the Secretary of South Melbourne, that a special independent tribunal should be established to deal with the appointment and control of umpires. Ah, good. As originally drafted, the scheme included a stipulation that no one who had been a delegate or connected with a club for two years should be eligible as a member of this tribunal to keep it separate from clubs. So for at least the... Previous two years, yeah. okay, yep. and that dates yeah, that back makes to that sense. Stuff about Horry Clover as well because he was on the umpire, yeah, yeah, yeah. Board, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, this has now been extended to three years. The question of the efficiency of umpires has been made more important than ever, and it's hoped that by removing the appointment and control of the umpires from the clubs, there will be an improvement. Good, good. I like it. I like it. Uh, this season also saw the season open on uh, the latest, the earliest date uh, ever. April twenty first was round one. Usually May, early May was the first round. Uh, and this was the last year that two rounds were played over one long weekend, with round seven being played on June 2nd and eight on May, on June 4th. So okay, yeah. after that, after this season, I don't think that happens again. No. Which is, uh, makes sense to us now and in the future. Yeah. But back then, they were just told, play, you know, you've got two games in three days. Yeah, that's the way, that's the way it is. Yeah. Well, I guess, like... There's still some players are still drinking beer, thinking it's good for their recovery. So yeah, <laughs> we're on a whole no different thing. Yeah, yeah, they're um, good for lung capacity. I heard <laughs> the MCG was going through some changes this year. They uh, all games were played there against the backdrop of an eighty thousand pound grandstand renovation. The ah. Australasian Football Council renamed itself the Australian National Football Council this year, as New Zealand were no longer part of the game. Which is a shame. Yeah, Yeah, well, I mean, they hadn't, but it would have been nice to keep them there in in spirit, at least. Dick Dick Condon, he he worked hard. Yeah, exactly. Um, And league delegates were worried when a player council was formed. They had visions of arbitration claims for high wages, but the fears were groundless because the footballers' union was never established. Oh, it wasn't, because we talked about this last year, didn't we? Yeah, so there's like a ground movement. To create a players' association, a union for the players. Yeah, yeah. I, which there should be. There should. I mean, there is now. So, yeah, yeah good. We got there. <laughs> we figured it out. Yeah. Um, so, Charlie, you want to go through the ladder for us this Absolutely. year? Absolutely, yeah. Well, this year, this I episode. like that, yeah. <laughs> well, Kaz, yeah, Kaz isn't here to do it for us, so I am um, I will try and take his mantle uh, and push him out of this show for, for the indefinite future. Or we could just get him to record in sixth place, in fifth place, and then him saying all the team names. We could just, we could just edit it in. Like, yeah, like they do for G- the GPS lady. Yeah. yeah. I like that idea. So, finishing on the bottom of the ladder, unfortunately for the second year in a row, is the Maybloom's Hawthorne uh, with zero wins, 18 losses, uh, and a 
lowly percentage of 61.63%. Yes. Third, third wooden spoon in four years. Third wooden spoon in four years and the only one time they didn't get it where they finished second, second bottom. Months. Yeah. <laughs> so not not a pretty uh, not a pretty year, which is why, and Tim and I were talking about this just before we recorded, why it's very hard to find much about them in in these uh, beginning years. Yeah. yeah unfortunately. And then Peter talked about that as well. Yeah, they sort of just didn't really... Why would you keep all this history if, you know, there's nothing there's really to show? <laughs> there's nothing great to show for it, yeah. which is very unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. so uh, two spoons in a row. Yeah. Uh, we tried to drag out a little bit of information. Or we've tried to find a few things. Um, Coach Charlie Byer? Oh, sorry. I didn't do that, did I? Um, <laughs> that's terrible. I, I can tell you if you want. Oh, please, please. Go. Bert, Bert go. Sutton. So he played 49 games at South and he took over as captain coach. If you remember, Dan Minogue had left at the end of last season. Yeah. Gone back to Tassie. Um, yes. So, yeah, he yeah. was captain coach. Um, now, some highlights while well, you can look up some debutants. If oh, you please, want. yes. <laughs> uh, round four, Ted Titch Utting was the vice captain, but he was injured in this 73-point uh, loss to Collingwood, and he wouldn't play again for the rest of the season. Bob Sellers became his vice captain, became vice captain in his place. Round five, they played against Melbourne. If you remember last year, the... Yeah, Fuchsia's absolutely demolished Pounded them into the ground. In this high-scoring match, the Mayblooms took the lead shortly after half-time, causing some worry for the Redlegs, and as the visitors failed to put their best performance forward, it kept Hawthorne in the game. They'd only go down by nine points in the end, um, and it was the second time they'd scored over 100 points since joining the league, um, and their highest scorer as a VFL side thus far. So... If you look back to their game against Melbourne last year, that's a positive thing. Absolutely, yeah. Look, even though the scoreboard might not show it, they're obviously finding their way. And really, like, it's easy to to rip on the boys down the bottom, but uh, it's important that we see, we can see where they're coming from. Like, they came from such a low base. They really, just like St Kilda at the start, only got introduced because of their ground yeah. and because of a groundswell from the council. Yeah, that's so, a good point. So, like, it took it took St Kilda a long time to get it right. It's taking Hawthorne a while, but they're getting there. They're getting there. Are they? Well, let's be positive. Well, we know they will, but... Yeah, eventually. At this stage. At this stage, they're not. No wins for the season. Um, it's now, not pretty. I found this story in round nine. There was a, quite a dull match between Hawthorne and Fitzroy. There was a bit of a hush in the first quarter, uh, which was pierced by a kookaburra's call. <laughs> um, if you can hear a bird at the footy, it's not a great game. And this caused even the players to laugh. Now, I couldn't find any mention of this on Trove. I spoke to Peter Havey at Hawthorne to see if he'd heard it, and he hadn't, but he was going to look into it. Um, I'd love to think this is true. Nothing to back it up with at this stage. Yeah, well, I mean, let's keep it in there. Round 11, um, they played South Melbourne and Hawthorne. Blew their one chance of victory, with South's Terry Brain kicking a goal just before the final bell. Unfortunately. Round 12, Burt Hyde, probably the one shining light at Hawthorne, kicked seven in a loss to St Kilda. Um, and round 16, in a four-goal loss to Melbourne, Captain Burt Sutton injured himself and will be forced into retirement. And Bob Sellers, doing a bit of a, uh, a Stephen Bradbury, has come from nowhere to become vice-captain and now suddenly captain in the last two games. I love that. Bradbury just yeah. just got over the top. Bob Sellers, yeah. What a great man. Indeed. So, um, yeah, that's Hawthorne's season. Yeah, so, yeah, as you just said, their only real shining light for the year was um, Bert Hyde. Hyde. He kicked 62 for the season, which is 
a hell good. of a lot more than yeah their second goal kicker who kicked 23 and then after that it was a lot of single digits yeah. uh thinking of uh names for the mccracken award i know that kaz is going to get back to us there weren't really any for the um for the Hawthorne team of this year, I don't think. None that we hadn't already yeah, heard from last year. Nothing that stood out to me. No. So, yeah, unfortunately, you know, another sort of nothing year from Hawthorne there. Mm. Which, but, mo- which moves us on to 11th place yep. in North Melbourne, who had five wins, 13 losses, and a percentage of 67.69%. Now, I know, um, Timmy, you were talking earlier about the construction at the MCG. There was also a bit of construction at um, North, Melbourne. North Melbourne as well this year, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, there was. New Grandstand was opened. Yeah, so um, and this was w- when it became known as Arden Street from this date onwards. Before this, it was known as the North Melbourne Recreation Reserve. Yeah, you're right. So that, yeah, up, up until then. So this is the basis of Arden Street, which yep. is pretty cool. Yeah. So the Grandstand could accommodate 2,000 people, was one of the best of its kind in the metropolitan area. Beneath its spacious accommodation had been provided for players, umpires, and officials. There was a large training room and hot and cold showers installed. Oh, excellent. Whether the away team got to have those warm showers, we don't know. Well, yeah, you always turn, not. You turn those taps off when, they, yeah. when those guys are coming through, don't you? You do. Uh, so their lead goal kicker for North Melbourne was Clary Nolan. Uh, their coach this year was... Charlie Tyson and captain as well. Yep. And uh, did I say how many uh, Clary Nolan kicked? 24. 24, okay. Yeah. Um, one of their debutants, and we'll set this to Kaz, was uh, Dick Wright. Mm, they had a couple of good ones there. Um, Jackie Locke I liked as well. There's something good about that one. Um, other, other new um, players for them included Laurie Murphy, who came across after six seasons at Collingwood, and Ben Kavanagh, who came from Essendon. Midway for the season as well, the club's president, Patrick Sullivan, resigned and was replaced by Dr. Berman, I think. Um, But again, just like Hawthorne, not many highlights. So in round five, one of the highlights was North Melbourne getting their first ever win over Carlton at Arden Street. Huge. Um, Ben Kavanagh kicking five, he uh, being one of the new recruits, obviously. So after five games, they were three and two. And if you remember last season, they were kind of at this place as well. And then they didn't win for the rest of the year. That's right, yeah. Um, this also, from this point in, they had a seven seven losses in a row, but did come back and win in round 13 against Hawthorne in a thrilling four-point win, Clary Nolan kicking five. Now, there was actually quite some controversy at North Melbourne this year as well. There was talk that they were running out of money and they were going into debt. They tried to sell some, uh, I think, life memberships to some supporters to try and raise some funds. Oh, yeah. So th- we've seen we've seen um, a few clubs starting to try and get a few more membership things going on, haven't we? Yeah. Like finals tickets and things. So life memberships, interesting. The other thing that happened was there was a big bombshell that was dropped on July 8th when the committee withdrew eight players from the training list because of poor form. Oh, really? Yeah, some thought this was a bit of a scheme to loosen up some money, but the club sacked eight players. Um, those eight players, I think, are Peter Brown, Frank Coots, Edgar Jones, Elf Lamb, Jackie Locke, Joe Lovett, Les Richards, and Dick Wright. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, so if you go through the team lists, I think I've worked it out. That it's, it's Those are the eight. One, two, three, four. Who five, sort of disappeared at about the same time. Who didn't play after that round. Which is quite interesting considering... Um, who are we talking? Yeah, considering they had... 
not all that many players play for them that year. They only had 36. So delisting, you eight. said eight. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge turnaround yeah. of a list, of such a small list that year. Yeah. So that would suggest why, like trying to save money would suggest why. Yeah. Well, it's, it would be the only thing that sort of makes sense, wouldn't it? Yep. Um, let's move on then. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh. Next up. So next up in 10th place. So there was there's a big, uh, there's a lot of daylight between 12th and... 11th in North Melbourne, and then not a hell of a lot. Now, here. we'll also say the last four years, three years, it's been it's Fitz been Grey, North Melbourne, and Hawthorne. Always taking up those last bottom three, three. Bottom three. And is it the same again this year, Timmy? It is not. No, it is not. And it is not who you would expect down here either. No. It's a team who has been pretty consistently just missing out on finals, I would yeah. say. I would say. Uh, it is South Melbourne. So on the same amount of wins and losses as North Melbourne, 5 and 13, with a slightly higher percentage of 85.49, we have South Melbourne. Uh, who, yeah, not, not a pretty year. No, not at all. Um, um, so some debutantes. Um... Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I keep on forgetting because <laughs> now I'm doing Kaz's job. I forget my own. Uh, so coached this year again by Charlie Panham. And captain by uh, Joe Scanlon. But Charlie Panham not playing anymore. No. He no, he retired at the end oh, of the no, last... Oh, no, sorry. He retires this season. Okay. During this season. Um, uh, their lead goal kicker was Ted Johnson with 60. Yep. He's still kicking on. Do you remember he was a defender? He got switched forward. Yeah. And hasn't that worked out well for him? Indeed. Um, debutantes include Cyril Powell and Joe Poulter, who came across from Richmond. And a good name for Kaz is Harry Brain. Yeah, I like that. Uh, he was from South Melbourne Districts. Collingwood had attempted to get a clearance for him and even named him in their first game. However, South Melbourne wouldn't clear him. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he played in their juniors. They'd put yeah. the effort into him. So No, fair enough. It feels like that's kind of fair enough. Um, <laughs> now, uh, it's Terry Brain, I think, is the play. There's some discussion whether it's Terry Brain or Harry Brain. I'm fairly certain it's Terry, but no one. It's it's referred to as both throughout. Okay. Yep. Maybe it's sort of like a nicknamey thing. It's the same person. Possibly. Well, it is the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. But but whether yeah. it's Terry or Harry, I think maybe going through the old records, R R Y is the ending. Whether it's H A. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So no one can quite read it properly. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um. So round one, close game saw South score a one-point win over Footscray at Lakeside Oval. Ted Johnson kicking eight goals in that game on his way to lead the goal-kicking for them. Good man. Uh, round nine, round two, they had a win, and then they had several losses in a row. Round nine against South Melbourne again. Uh, sorry, against Richmond. Harry Isworth from South Melbourne, who attended the match, behaved offensively after being cautioned by police and was fined five pounds or one month's imprisonment. He had four prior convictions against him, including assault and carrying an unregistered pistol. Now, the, I, I read this story. I don't think he play, He was just a supporter. He yeah. didn't play. Yeah, yeah. That was... That, yeah. How's that? What is this wild, wild west town that we live in? Is he an ex-player? I think it's. Ju- I think it was just saying that he was a... A, um, a fan. Just a fan, yeah, that they had the name of, yeah. All right. Um, Between round 2 and 11 South slumped to 8 straight losses Until they knocked off Hawthorne by 5 points At Glenferry Oval We talked about this um, late in the game A misunderstanding between two Hawthorne defenders Proved costly As uh, Terry Brain pounced on the ball And kicked the winning goal Just before the siren went Although there was some uh, speculation That the siren might have gone already Yeah and 
Wasn't there, or is this a different incident? Different, different incident. Okay, yep, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, actually, yeah. I know exactly yeah. why I know that one. <laughs> Round 17, they had a loss to Carlton, and this game was Charlie Panham's last league football game. Joe Scanlon took over the captaincy. What a great man. And finally, they finished the season with a win over Fitzroy uh, by 10 points, but the closeness of the scores was the only thing that enlivened an otherwise dull game. Yeah, see, it's interesting that, isn't it? Like, it's interesting that they're even making that comment then because there's a lot of close games these days that are just shockers yeah. as well because both teams oh, are Oh, like crap. 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, oh, I mean, probably a lot more back then, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not a new story, is it? Yeah. No. Been going on for years. Been going on for years, Timmy. Uh, so, moving on. Yep, in yeah. ninth spot. Yeah, ninth spot. Another team you wouldn't expect down there. No, here. no. After uh, after a few years up the, up there, um, and it's not Footscray either. No. They haven't just got one spot out. No, it's Geelong. So with six wins and twelve losses, uh, the the pivots, the Black Cats, Black Cats, with a yeah, sorry, you know, <laughs> keep on changing, uh, with a percentage of ninety nine point four eight, they were um, captain and coached by Tom Fitzmorris. And their lead goal kicker was Jack Chambers with 29. Yeah, so a big change at Geelong this year. In February, Lloyd Hagger and Cliff Rankin both tendered their resignation to the club. Huge loss. Huge out. So Lloyd Hagger for business and Cliff Rankin for injury. Um, and that way, that's why Tom Fitzmorris was invited to take up the yeah. position of coach. He accepted, but the condition being that the coach's fee be shared equally among the players. The hell? That's that's excellent. Yeah, so I he, like that a lot. He coached and played. Oh, he coached for free, and the players. We got coached for money. a little bit, and everyone got a bit bit extra. Yeah, that's yeah. great. It's a, it's actually interesting. Obviously, as you mentioned before, like we're looking into the start of those depression days, and there's a couple of there were a couple of mentions from a few different clubs about money being getting a bit tighter. So that's yeah. obviously happening. This is the the precipitation. So for him to do that obviously means that you know he's trying to help out. Yeah, People and we know being a bit of strife. We know Tom Fitzmaurice is a you know a gentleman. He and a scholar, the letter of yeah. the law. Um, that's why he left Essendon. Yeah, 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 exactly. He wasn't happy with how things were going down there. No, um, deb- a good a same good- old chunky business. I hear. <laughs> <laughs> a good debutant was Milton Lamb. He yeah. sounded to me like mutton lamb. Yeah, I like it. I Milton like it. Lamb. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So round one, Collingwood won this game by a goal down in Geelong round two in a seven point loss to Melbourne at the MCG new coach Tom Fitzmaurice injured his knee and will be kept out for the next seven games round three they suffered a shock loss to Footscray by four points Um, and this saw the local newspaper in Geelong calling on coach Fitzmaurice to make his forwards practice their kicking oh good it would also improve attack if several players used the stab kick instead of running around in circles to get an open shot at goal Interesting. I feel like we still have that argument. Don't now. we? Don't we? Kick Always. it straight. Don't you're not Stevie J, <laughs> who ironically played for Geelong. Well, that's it. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's it's a weird thing, isn't it? And didn't, he didn't Tom Fitzmaurice do like? Is that what we were just talking about? Didn't Tom Fitzmaurice line up for goal sideways? Possibly. I think I read that okay. somewhere, or is it was it somewhere else? Maybe. Yep. 
Um, round five, Arthur Rayson kicked five goals and a win over South Melbourne by four goals at Corio. Remembering that uh, Hager and Rankin are both forwards as well, so that's why they're such huge outs. So Rayson having to fill that spot at goals. Round six, in a game in which Geelong beat an inaccurate Fitzroy, play was held up for a while as one of the goal umpires had to straighten the point post. <laughs> um, yeah, they hit it five times. Mm. Unbelievable. Well, the behind post, did they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They... And and if, like, I've, I heard this during the week, actually, if the posts are bent, like, that, that's still, if it hits it, that's still fair play. Like, well, of course, you that's played the post. As it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it, yeah, because this is the game, one of the, you're talking round six, aren't you? Against Fitzroy. Against Fitzroy, yeah. yeah. Um, like, it was one of the most inaccurate games. Yeah, we'll talk about that yeah. with Fitzroy, because yeah. it's really their record. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, there was a fire in the Brown Young stand at Cryo Oval and it destroyed a lot of the players' belongings following that round six game. Valuable club records and photographs were also destroyed. They had to appeal to supporters' football boots, claiming that they would take care of them and return them to them once they'd been used. <laughs> uh, round eight, though, Cliff Rankin made a comeback. He, had, he was over his injury and he played against Hawthorne at Cryo oh, Oval. Uh, they won this game by eight, 84 points uh, with Cliff Rankin kicking four in his comeback game. Good man. There was a little uh, mention of something in between in the round seven match. Yeah. Um, against Richmond. Is that what you just said, actually? No, I talked about Sorry. round eight. Yeah. He came back against Hawthorne. Yeah. So, yeah, in round seven against Richmond, apparently the, the weather was so terrible that all the Richmond players wore mittens yes. during the game they as did. well, which is hilarious. Uh, and look, that was kind of the story of their season. They finished with six losses in a row, which really put them out of finals yep. contention. Uh, at that stage in round eight, though, they were sitting kind of mid-table, but not like only a game out of third, really. Yeah. But just fell just away. Just fell apart. Yeah. Yep. As is the story of so many people's seasons. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even now. <laughs> exactly. We talk as a Melbourne and Essendon supporter. <laughs> yeah, we've given ourselves no chances. Anyway, uh, so moving on to eighth position, and we have... Oh, sorry. No, that's no. it. Yeah. Uh, moving on to eighth position, we have Fitzroy. Uh, so the, the big Maroons with seven wins, 11 losses, and 88. 8.36%. We still haven't hit Footscray, Timmy. I know. Where are it's they? It's unbelievable. What's going on? So, uh, coached and captained again uh, this year by Gordon Rattray. Yeah, not so, again. So, Vic Belcher stepping down yeah. as coach. Yeah. And club legend returning. Yeah. So, big Gordon Rattray back. And, again, the great man, Jack Moriarty, for the... Let's count, about, let's count these out. And 24, he won it. 25, 26, 27, now 28. Fifth year in a row lead goal kicker with 68 goals. Amazing. Mm. Some uh, some good debutant names here. Eddie Shank. Eddie Shank. And Doug Ringrose. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Um, round one, it would appear that Fitzroy's stocks were so low that Gordon Ratray made a comeback as captain coach and played his first league game since 1924. You see, it's not like... Great to have him back as coach, but... You've been retired for four years. He has to play this. How's your match fitness? No, Moriarty kicked five as they lost by 38 points to Carlton. Uh, Luke Bowles, after 18 games in his 27 debut season, injured himself in the game and wouldn't play again until 1930. Round two, Moriarty kicked seven against Collingwood, and this game would also be Goldie Collins' last league game. Oh, no. He probably got suspended again. Round five, in an 11-point loss to Essendon, Gordon Ratray seriously injured himself and will be forced to retire for good now. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's always going to happen. Yeah, he was He didn't. He wasn't going to have much longer, was he? Now, round, let's get to that round six game. One of yeah. the most unusual games ever played at Karaya Oval in round six, Fitzroy and Geelong. The game finished with Fitzroy scoring what, Charlie? 227. They hit the, post five, they hit the times. post five times. Only scored their second goal in time on in the fourth quarter. <laughs> with 25 more behinds than goals, this remains the least accurate performance from any team ever. By this metric, yeah. 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 Accuracy of 6.9%. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Geelong, on the other hand, scored 19 goals, 822, giving them two fewer scoring shots than the Maroons, but they won by 83 points. Which is ridiculous. As of 2019, this remains the record-winning margin for a team with fewer scoring shots than their opponents. Well, of course it does. Like, how could you... you like, you look at that, 19-8 is a, is a great scoreline. Like, mm. that's a very accurate very score. Very accurate. And then 227. <laughs> it could have so easily been... 722 as well which is still horrendous mm. but five posters could have been 27 too yeah the postmaster general would have oh, been happy that day would've. wouldn't he uh, no, that's unbelievable yeah so Fitzroy lost their first six games round seven they had their first win with a six goal win over south finally so yeah. at least after that shocking game they, they kind of ride they managed the to pull it back together yeah uh, round 11 against North Melbourne, Jack Moriarty kicked 12 goals, 3 of the team's 15 goals, 12. God. In a 46-point win. He was carried shoulder high from the ground. As he should be. Um, as you said, he kicked 68 goals for the season. Kicked goals in all the 15 games he played. And his 12 goals, 3 would be the greatest score of any Fitzroy player ever. Really? Yep. That's huge. Bob Merrick kicked 12 goals straight in 1919, but 12 goals three... Is the biggest score. Is the biggest ever. Like, and you would have thought like maybe Bernie Quinlan in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No. no. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Setting so, records early. Yeah. So not a great season at Fitzroy. Many fans were very unhappy with the direction of the club. A meeting on August 21 was full, of the brim, full to the brim and uh, with desperate calls for the administration to step down. Uh, meeting was pushed back until after the season, and then in October, the protest leader, Bill Hanna, claimed the club had recruited poorly and fallen behind other clubs. He called for a clean sweep of the office, and most of the committee were replaced, although Chandler remained as president for another two years. See, this sounds like a dire warning for the future of the club, doesn't it? Like, you, you're talking, yeah, the same issues that they really face now for the next 40 odd years but remember at this time they are still the, the best team in the league they're yeah. the most successful team in the league absolutely and they I mean when was their last flag 22 22 so it's they're not far out of it no. you wouldn't think you know yeah they're thinking we've got to re- right this ship and get it get us back yeah with the benefit of hindsight we can see that this is kind of the the beginning the, the of the beginning, fall yeah, yeah. A, a long slow fall yeah yeah. There are some, look, there's some yeah. highlights on the horizon though. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Let's move on. So on to seventh position and we finally reach Footscray. Oh. Isn't that fantastic? That is so, great. With an unbelievably even season of nine wins and nine losses uh, and 109.3%, Footscray has uh, shown why they were such a strong contender to enter the league now, haven't finally, they? yeah. yeah. So they finishing. entered with such promise. Well, I mean, they've only been getting better. 11th, 10th, 10th and 7th now. So yeah, slowly making their way up the yeah. ladder. And they're looking good. So captain coached by uh, Paddy Scanlon. Yep. And their lead goal kicker was Albie Morrison with 50. With 50 straight. Yes. Yeah. Uh, another debutante was Wally Warden. Yeah, I like that. I That's like a good little... bit of alliteration. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
George Sayer was back. He uh, made his way back and was appointed vice president. But the league made him resign again. Oh, did they really? So yeah. he thought he'd just sneak in under the radar. Yeah, he, he would never actually hold a position on their <laughs> board, but he'd keep trying. Which is so sad from a, from a guy who obviously loves the club. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, they had a really interesting season because they had so many close games. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit in a minute. Round nine is the first game I'm going to talk about. They yeah. played at Princess Park. Uh, and despite inaccuracy, they led Carlton by 17 points early in the last quarter. Carlton added three quick goals as time on began and scores were level. In a last gasp effort, the Bulldogs swept into attack from the centre bounce and their half-forward Bill Sperling kicked the winning point with a flying snapshot that just beat the final siren, signalling Footscray's first win over Carlton at Princess Park. I love that. That sounds a bit like what happened on the weekend with Freo. Yeah. It's great. Uh, now, round 11 was quite a controversial game, Footscray playing Melbourne. Um, and controversy because Footscray player Arthur Chitters Stevens wore an aluminum or aluminium shield on his knee. Yeah, how's this? Now like, this, you would have probably read about this in the books, but it never mentioned the uh, Footscray player. No, it, it didn't re- mention him by name. No, no. Never. So I, um, I got in contact with Darren Arthur at Footscray, and he had this story for me. Oh, fantastic! Um, so yeah, he. The jointed rod of the brace caused a protrude, a protrusion, a protruding knob. <laughs> yeah, and two Melbourne players injured themselves on it. Yeah, so Bert, I heard Bert Chadwick copped one sort of in the around his sort of gut, midriff, yeah. around his midriff area. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic, and uh, and that left him a bit winded. And um, uh, who else? What, what did you hear? Who the other one was? Someone mm. copped it straight in the head. It, yeah, was, it, sure. was, it was left uh, dazed. Yes. And this would continue the call for an interchange player. Yeah. Which kind of happened throughout this season because there's just time and time again, teams are losing players and they need to replace them. Yeah, well, no we, one to we, replace it was them. two years ago, wasn't it? We heard the first first yeah. real sort of whispers of it in the finals. Yeah. When Bob Johnson... Was it Bob Johnson? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From, from Melbourne again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so because of this issue... At, and it happened before halftime. An agitated Melbourne official entered the Footscray rooms at halftime and demanded Chitter remove a protective knee brace. Good. Um, Chitter nonchalantly dismissed the Melbourne's officials' rantings and <laughs> declared that the brace would be staying on because he was an iron horse. <laughs> and that name stuck. Um, the Melbourne official t- retreated meekly and Chitter's popularity at the Bulldogs was cemented. <laughs> I love it. Um, and they also complained to the, uh, the umpires and the umpires said there's nothing I can no, do. No, I will. It'd be kind of like, I mean, alum- aluminium is not really the best thing to have on the, <laughs> no. on the ground. But uh, if, if, you know, someone was wearing some sort of uh, protect, like some sort of protection on their knee nowadays and that smacks someone in the head, you're not going to get them to take it off, are yeah. you? Like, no, it's not going to happen. No. no. But then the league would make a snap decision and change that rule during the week, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, round 13, they had a one-point win over Geelong, and that debutant, Wally Warden, received a 22-week suspension for kicking. Happened in the first color, uh, first quarter. A tricolour had a free kick, and Warden walked up to Eric Fleming of Geelong and kicked him in the back of the leg just above the ankle. <laughs> Fleming kicked back like a horse in retaliation, kicked behind him. Yep. And he was also re- reported, but was acquitted of charges. Yeah, good. Uh, Warden's 22-week stand is the longest suspension of any Footscray player ever. It's a good one to have. Yeah. Debutant, longest ever suspension. Yep. Great. Um, so at the end of this season, Footscray had played in nine games with a margin of less than a goal for five wins, four losses. 
Well, at least it's in their in their favour. But still, that's a lot of close games, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And I think recently, um, who played? Oh, the, the Lions this last weekend. They had back. They had a loss by a point and a win by a point in the last two rounds. Yeah, beat Adelaide by a point, and then last week they lost to Freo by a point. Um, one and then I was looking at some stats that this has only happened a certain amount of times, and this was one of the instances in this season. Footscray had done both. Had done both. They won back and lost to back by weeks. Point. One lost by a point. Wow. Yeah, massive. So yeah, they could have, could have easily been nine wins with that, like more wins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That will end this season, especially. They could have. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, those four. Like, yeah, they could have been fifteen. They could have been on top. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, it goes to show, doesn't it? It does. You know? So high up, Footscray. They're so doing impressed. Well. They're doing well. So impressed. Good <laughs> guy. Good job, guys. So moving into sixth place now, we have St Kilda. St Kilda. St Kilda with eleven wins and seven losses and a percentage of one hundred and one point nine seven. Uh, we were coached by George Sparrow. Yes, and so if you remember, uh, Hackenschmidt had left yes. the season before. They kind of weren't happy with his old school approach. Uh, George Sugar Sparrow was reappointed coach because he had been coach in 1913 with that team that had made the grand final yeah. and just lost to Fitzroy. So he was a really popular figure around the club and, and they bringing him, him in, was, they thought you know, he could ride the ship. Of, Players love him, the club love him. That's it, added a bit of verve. He's got, he's got something about him. Mm. Big sugar, the big sug. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, and then um, captained by um, Horry Mason and then Bill Cubbins. Yeah, well, Billy Cubbins was reluctant to keep the captaincy as well. Um, Why was that? I think he was one of those things where he's getting older. Yep. And wanted to move it on to someone younger and brighter. Yeah, beautiful. So yeah, so it start it started with Horry Mason though, didn't it? Or it started with Cubbins and then I think passed to Mason. I think it passed to Mason. Passed to Mason. Yeah, sorry. Possibly got that in my notes. We'll see as we go. And their lead goal kicker was Bert Smedley with fifty one. Smedley. Smedley. Yeah. Good on him. Great man. Um, round one, they had a three point win over Hawthorne, and Cyril Gambetta, Jazz Legs, was looking out. In fine form. Of course he was. Oh, sorry. No, he was looking... No, sorry. The exact opposite. Oh. He was out of form. Oh, no. Uh, he was dropped. So round two, Gambetta was dropped from this game and was supposed to play in the reserves. He didn't show up to the reserves. And he only came what? to watch the senior team. Jazz Legs thinks he's too good for the reserves. He is. Well, he was... You know, he led them in the Brownlow votes last season. Yeah. So, Unbelievable, know, he's though. He's got a bit of an ego about it. Yeah. Him. Not sure about old Jazz Legs anymore. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so he just watched the senior team play, didn't bother about the reserves, um, and didn't make it back to the seniors till round five. Yeah, well, if you don't play in the reserves, how are you going to get a game in the seniors? Yeah. Unbelievable. Got a bit of ego about him. Seriously, I'm not sure about that. Maybe the year after winning the uh, McCracken Name Award, he's yeah, just all up and yeah. about. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Cock of the walk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, round eight, after only two wins from their first seven, they had a strong win over Essendon that started the charge towards the top four. Uh, in that win against Essendon, Jack Shelton kicked five. There was reports around this time as well that Sugar Sparrow had the team in a good, happy place, and from here they started winning. So they like they had a loss, four losses in a row from round four to round seven. Yep, and only had two more for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's a pretty big turnaround. Round ten, Bill Schmedley kicked seven in a win over the Hawks, and you said he was a debutant, didn't you? Schmedley? No, he was their lead goal lead kicker. Lead goal kicker, sorry. Yep. Um, round fourteen with Fred Phillips as acting captain. According to legend, during the coin toss, he grunted when the toy- he had a bit of a hair lip, so he went to do the coin toss and um, 
when they said, you know, heads or tails, he kind of just grunted. And the opposing captain was too polite to ask him which, uh, wherever he'd said heads or tails. <laughs> so he just won no matter what. Yeah, and Flops, as he was known, just signaled the end he wanted and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so St Kilda won that game against North Melbourne by 59 points. Smedley kicking eight. <laughs> that is so good. I'd love someone to try that now. Um, round 15 in a crucial game against Carlton, acting captain Fred Phillips was dropped. Um, I guess for form. The Saints led by 17 points at three-quarter time and early in the last quarter, Jack Shelton kicked an awesome goal. Uh, the coach, Sugar Sparrow, who was sometimes trainer as well. Oh, it's just doing um, everything. He ran onto the field pretending he needed to give first aid, but instead he ran on flapping his tail about. He got to Shelton and threw himself on, Sh- on Shelton, embracing him, kissing him in the Gaelic fashion on both cheeks. <laughs> um, they won this game by four goals. Shelton, however, was given an eight-week suspension for striking Carlton's Ray Brew. Oh, ah, okay. So he was the hero in this game, but also the villain and wouldn't play again this season. A killer. And the final, I guess you'd call it a highlight, was their game against Melbourne, which I think you alluded to before. Yeah. So they were playing above themselves against Melbourne. St Kilda led all day only for Melbourne to charge home and lead by 12 with not much time left. Ludlow kicked a goal to narrow the gap and then with the margin under a goal, the Fuchsias threw everybody in defence to try and stop St Kilda from scoring again. Yeah. The old classic flood. In a dramatic finish, the crowd began going wild as the bell was rung. That's right, it but was. the umpire didn't hear it in all the commotion. And about seven seconds after the siren, Bill Smedley kicked the goal for St Kilda. The umpire paid the goal and then started moving back to the centre for the bounce. He hadn't actually heard the bell. Mm. Uh, and then the players, kind of, the players had heard it and started walking off and then realised the game was still going on. Um, uh, so... Spectators and mounted police dashed onto the field to kind of tell the yeah. umpire the game yep. had been done. Uh, and he conferred, the um, central umpire conferred with the boundary umpire before leaving the game. Um, but the drama wasn't over there. No, there was an official protest. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, um, scores were altered. So at this stage, St Kilda had won 82 to 81. Yeah, they won by point. Yep, one point with that, la- with that after the siren yeah. goal. And yeah, yeah. So... And the, of course, Melbourne complained. And both the time both timekeepers agreed that yep. they had sounded the bell before Smedley had kicked the goal. Yep. But the official rule is, and we know this because it happens from time to time. The rule is, it is not considered to have been rung until it's heard by the umpire. And the umpire blows his whistle. And the umpire blows his whistle, and that's the end of the game. Yep. So it was dismissed. Yep. Do you reckon after this game they like kind of changed the rules or just like reminded everyone this is the like the Dane Rampy shaking the post thing. Yeah, well, they would have had to, yeah. wouldn't they? Like, this is the official rule, even though, yes, technically the bell rang. They, it the didn't. umpire needs to hear it. Yeah, so it's an inter- it's a very interesting one. And I feel like this is the second time Well, it this is. St Kilda's first ever win was, was that against, draw yeah. that was then a win against Melbourne. And I think it's happened three, three yeah, or four it has. times. Melbourne and St Kilda. It's really strange, isn't it, the whole thing? Yes. Anyway. <laughs> Good on them. Good so on St Kilda. Took a win off you. Would that have got you any higher? Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, it would have. Uh, yeah. One spot. Yeah, so... Yeah, could have uh, I mean, been a grand final. I mean, yeah, really. exactly. Could have been a premiership. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, so, moving up to fifth place, the final team just not to squeak into finals, unluckily, uh, was the same olds with yes. 11 wins, 7 losses as well, uh, but a slightly healthier percentage of 113.02. So just over mm. it. You're, the coach was Charlie Hardy yes. and captain again, Frank Ma. 
their lead goal kicker, Greg Stockdale, with 39. Yeah, so debutants including Keith Paris, Keith Forbes and Howard Oakey. Um, as you said, Charlie Hardy took over as coach. You yes. might remember he was the player who uh, punched Bob Johnson and got suspended oh, yeah, for like yeah. however long it was. So he, he'd never play again, but he was back as coach. <laughs> Good. The, the third coach in three years, though, should yeah. be mentioned. Uh, Frank Ma, who had captain coached in the previous season, was kept as a player and captain. However, he had applied for the coaching job but wasn't given it. And he also played, applied for the Hawthorne job but was knocked back from that. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yes. Now, round three, Essendon had a seven-goal win over South Melbourne. But in that game, champion full forward Greg, Greg Stockdale was rubbed out for eight weeks for striking Berryman. Happened in the second quarter, both players racing for the ball. Berryman got in first and passed it on, and Stockdale struck him four times in the back. Four not, times? Not, not just once, four times. Yeah. Bang, 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 bang. Jesus. Uh, Stockdale denied the charges, but uh, all the umpires agreed and had seen it, and he was given eight weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a he said, he said, he said, he said, he said. Pretty yeah. much. Round 12. Essendon beat Melbourne at the MCG for the no. first win over them in several years because I feel like you've just been beating up on That's us. That's right. Uh, round 17, Frank Ma played his 118th consecutive game, creating an Essendon record not broken until Jack Jones in the 40s and 50s. Oh, yeah. Someone Fantastic. we were lucky to go and chat to not Very too recently. We'll hopefully hear from, we'll, we'll let you guys hear from in the not too distant future. Not too distant. Um, and finally, following that round 17 game, round 18, Frank Ma decided to drop himself from the game, saying he was out of form. So his, his 118th consecutive game, he was out of form, so he dropped himself. He dropped himself? Yeah. Wow. Um, now, this was one of those interesting situations, again, where Essendon and Carlton were vying for that last spot in the finals. Essendon had to win, and Collingwood had to beat Carlton, which was highly probable. Yeah. Um, uh, Collingwood had to beat... Sorry, Carl. Oh, Collingwood had to. Be, yeah, if Collingwood beat Carlton and then, Essendon won, then, then Essendon yeah, was yeah, in the finals. Yep. yep. Um, but Essendon were dumped from the finals because Carlton won this won their last game, and mm. they complained quite loudly but unofficially about it because Essendon they, they did. They said, "Well, bribery must have been involved," and we'll talk about that more when we get we to will. Collingwood. Yep. The league didn't take much notice, though. Well, because everyone always accuses everyone, everyone of bribery, bribery as if a favourite doesn't win. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, we will talk about that. Yeah, ridiculous. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so moving on to our fi- our finals now. Yeah, no, finalists, yeah. Yes, Top our finalists. Uh, so in fourth place. For a second consecutive season. Yeah, just squeaking in was Carlton, who uh, with the same as Essendon, as we just said, 11 wins and seven losses and 121.43%. So they had that percentage. Far superior percentage. Far yeah. superior, so... Carlton really, uh, sorry, Essendon really needed that win to get over the top of them. Right. Um, captain coached by Ray Brew, and their lead goal kicker was Horry Clover with 41. Yeah. Um, also, one of their um, pickups, recruits, was Harry Davey, ex Melbourne. Oh, little man, little yeah. Harry Davey. Yeah, for one more season. Um, so, Ray Brew had recovered from the injury that kept him out of 27, and he was named captain coach again. Yeah. Do you remember he missed the whole That's season? That's right. And we just talked about the fact he got whacked again. Yeah. Yes. Uh, was it, yeah, Stockdale whacked him. Yeah. I think. No, was it Stockdale or was it the, was it the dude guy. with the shield? Oh, no, was it St. Kilda? No. <laughs> with his leg uh, shield? No, it was St. Kilda's uh, Shelton in that game. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not the aluminum knob. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the iron horse. Round one. The Blues had only won one game at Brunswick Street since 1918, yet won this game comfortably, kicking seven goals in front of 
in the first quarter in front of a record crowd of around 30,000 in the opening game against Fitzroy. Nice. Um, Hector Ross kicked three goals on debut. Horry Clover, five. Harry Dunn, four. Round three, Harry Davey, after kicking two goals on debut against Richmond the previous week, um, continued his impressive start to VFL football with a bag of six goals against Hawthorne. Carlton winning that by 34. Yeah, impressive start to Carlton. Yes. It's unless this is a different Harry Davey. No, it's the same Harry okay. Davey. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Uh, round four, Carlton blew the Saints out of the water with a 96-point thrashing. This margin could have been far greater if accuracy in front of goals was better. Harry Davey added six in this one, bringing his tally to 14 majors in his first three games. Unbelievable. Uh, round seven in a fine display of football. Um, game was up and down. It was Collingwood versus Carlton. Collingwood would get ahead and then Carlton would reel them in and it happened twice. Harvey Dunn kicked six goals for this. Um, in the game, um, Carlton were coming and coming and coming and couldn't quite get ahead. Seconds left. Um, the ball's heading down to uh, Carlton's forward line and Harry Davey um, went up for the mark, points to take the mark and it bounced off his chest. And before the Blues could recover the ball, the siren went, oh. Carlton having lost by three points, Killer. despite having a couple of extra shots on goal. Uh, now, round nine in this match at in Princess Park, Footscray, despite their inaccuracy, led Carlton by 17 points early in the last quarter. Then Soapy Valance inspired the Blues with two great marks that he coolly converted into goals from long range. Uh, Frank Seymour added another, and as time on began, scores were level, but the, the Scray would add one extra point to run out winners, and I think we spoke about that earlier. Yeah, we did, yep. Round 10, Alex Duncan played his 100th game for Carlton in a two-goal win over Essendon. Round 11, the Blues defeated Geelong in a high-scoring game, with the great Horry Clover kicking seven goals, including his 300th goal. And three apiece to Harry Valance and George Goff. Um, yeah. Carlton kicked 12 goals, 12. I think 100... No. I've written 20 goals, 12, 132 here. And I, at this point, Carlton had never kicked a larger score against Geelong. Nice. R- round 14. That's what you want. Yeah. Round 14, scoring their highest score of the year. Carlton defeated Hawthorne, kicking 22 goals, 17, 149 to win by 70. Clover kicking five and George Goff kicking five. And this is why they were ahead of Essendon on percentage because their percentage is massive. Well, this is it. And you, I was I was about to interrupt and say, you know, they kicked a massive amount of goals throughout the year, 237. We mentioned that Horry Clover was their highest goal kicker with 41, yeah. which isn't a huge amount, but you've just been saying the same names over and over. Yeah. And all these guys kicked quite considerable bags. You got Clover with forty one, Harvey Dunn with thirty six, George Goff with thirty six, Harry Davy with twenty six from only nine games. Yeah. And Soapy Valance with twenty two. So they're spreading it quite evenly across yeah. them. They're doing really well. Uh now round eighteen we spoke about this game. They had to beat ladder leading top of the table Magpies to make finals. Um and I'll talk about Collingwood's kind of part of this next. Uh the Blues needed to win obviously. And they did. <laughs> as, yeah. as an incentive, Carlton, were, the players were each promised three pounds extra a man above their flat rate of three pounds, 10 shillings um, as if a they, bonus to, to win. If they yeah. won, yeah. yeah. Um, and they did. And they did. And they got their six pounds, 10. Well, they got nine pounds in total for the game. And in those days, that was a lot of money. Six. They got their six for the game, right? Hold on. Three plus three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, three per... Yeah. So they got... Six in total because of that. Carlton were each promised three pounds per man extra above their flat rate of three pounds ten yeah. shillings and their bonus. 
Oh, and the, okay, okay. Yeah, and the yeah. bonus yep. for playing finals, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I like it. It's a big week for the boys. It is. Um, well, there you go. So fourth is Again, done. Yeah. And we're moving on to third place, which is, Jimmy, the Mighty Fuchsias. Back in the finals. Back after, in the finals uh, after, a, out last yeah, year. after a dismal 27. 28's come good because, you know, we weren't dealing with those terrible injuries. Exactly. Same as 2019, I'll tell you. Um, so with 14 wins and four losses, 122.2%. The, the futures were looking good. Captain coach this year uh, by Ivor Warren Smith. Bert Chadwick stepping down after quite a run as a yeah. great captain coach. but Premiership captain. Premiership captain. He stepped down only one step. He, he took up the vice captaincy role underneath it, which showed how much he loved the club, I think. And, yeah. you know, they want, and we, he was trying to promote someone else. And Ivor Warren Smith, who is a... A fantastic, oh, yeah, absolute champion. And a lot of players uh, wilt under the captaincy as well. Not the case for Ivor Smith. No, no, not at all. He uh, he thrived exactly. He thrived. Now I've got a, I've got a contender here for the uh, McCracken name yes. award. Possibly one of the most Melbourne names ever. Throw it to me, Hollington, London. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> it could be. I like <laughs> Hollington. Could Hollington. be a spy almost. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. I like it. Um. So yeah, so you've all, there were a couple of things. I mean, Melbourne. He, played, he only played one game ever for Melbourne. Yeah, because you know he had to go and work in Russia for of the course, rest of the time. Yeah. yeah, behind the Iron Curtain, as they say. <laughs> um, so Melbourne looked really good to start the year. They won the first seven and sat on top of the ladder. Yeah, which was great. Uh, round one, we talked about their run of wins over the same olds. They hadn't lost to Essendon since nineteen twenty four. Close game saw the Dons down by a point at three-quarter time and the visitors scored two in a row at the start of the last quarter before Essendon got two of their own to level the scores at the 20-minute mark. The, D's, the Fuchsias were saved by Hope and Dunbar kicking goals in the last few minutes. However, Bob Johnson injured his ankle and would miss a game. Yeah. And I think that was the issue last season was just injuries. And yeah, that Bob was Johnson it. That was it. Bob Johnson especially, but a few others. I think Warren Smith was a bit injured last year also. Yeah. I didn't say that, sorry, did I? Bob Johnson was the our lead goal kicker that okay. year again with 55. Um, similar game in the second game. They beat the, the uh, Black Cats. Both teams were said to be uh, still coming to terms with the new holding the ball interpretation and spent too much time attempting to bump each other off the ball. Yep. Melbourne kicked three goals to one in the last quarter to take the win. Was this at Carayo? Uh, I don't know. I, which I, I think it might have been, or there was one later in the year, which was... Was the first time uh, Melbourne had beaten Geelong away since twenty three. No, that that game was MCG. Okay, two. so later on in the year then. Yeah. Uh, round three against Fitzroy it was Melbourne's third straight win to open the year. It broke a hoodoo which had seen them not win at Brunswick Street Oval since nineteen twenty one. There you go, breaking records all over the place. Victory in the first three games was the first time Melbourne had achieved such a feat since eighteen ninety nine. Johnson kicking seven, Abernathy five. Abernathy knew. Uh, Abernathy, Jim. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he was. He played 14 games that year and kicked 20 goals for us. Yeah, handy. Yeah. Round four, they had a four-point win over Richmond uh, and four rows, wins in a row. Stamped the Fuchsias as one of the teams to beat in 28. Mm. Uh, but they had to fight for victory in a thrilling match where the margin was never more than a few points. Yeah, a few Round close ones. Eight, having thrashed North Melbourne two days earlier. 
So remember round seven and eight of yeah. back-to-back. The Fuchsia's <laughs> backed up for their second game of the long weekend and had another victory. They're eighth in a row. They beat Carlton by 10 points in front of the largest home and away crowd in the history of the league to that point, 41,402. Love it. Love it. Love a good attendance. <laughs> That's bigger than last year's grand final. Seriously, massive. Round nine, Melbourne's unbeaten run finally came to an end at Victoria Park as they lost a close game to Collingwood by two goals. Um, after the opening quarter, Collingwood held a narrow edge against Melbourne, but they came home strong. At the 13-minute mark, they'd reduced the gap to six points and could have equalised had a controversial mark been paid to Dunbar. A lot of great, lot of great close games between, between Melbourne two, and Collingwood yeah. at this time. Collingwood held on to win. Um, round 14, they had a 47-point win over Fitzroy at the MCG. Uh, Redlegs scoring their highest score of the season, 18-18-126. Abernathy kicked five. Bob Johnson kicked four. McConville kicked four. Warren Smith kicked four. Love it. Love it. Uh, round 17, in a dramatic finish, as we said, uh, they lost to St Kilda by a point and they complained to the league. On Tuesday night, the umpires... Uh, the league made a ruling that although all the umpires and the St Kilda timekeeper had admitted the bell had gone before the ball was kicked, the game was not over until the umpire heard the bell and signalled the end of the game. Unbelievable. Again, I'm glad you said it again because it is bloody ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Around 18, Melbourne thumped north by 87 points, Johnson kicking seven and Whitman six. They had to wait to see if they would play Carlton or Collingwood the final week, having given up second spots. Yeah. Because of that loss to St Kilda. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and at the end of the season, Richard Taylor received the payment for playing 100 consecutive games. That's right. Well, he also received um, something in the in the middle of the year, about in around July, at a social function. So he received a payment, did he? Also, uh, yeah, yeah. He received a, at a at a social club function. He was presented by a couple of life members a case of cutlery oh. in honour of his playing 100 games. <laughs> I would hope it was 100 pieces of cutlery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've also got Bill Timms got a trophy for his play in the finals. And Secretary Andrew Maisie, a trophy from the VFL. Manzi? Manzi, yeah. Yeah. Um, and He's been around for sec- a while. So, Secretary yeah. Andrew Manzi got a trophy from the VFL team he had taken to Bendigo. Lovely. Well, that's nice. Indeed. Thanks for taking me to Bendigo. Here's a trophy. <laughs> i tell you what, next time someone gives me a lift somewhere, I'm going to give them a little trophy. That sounds good. <laughs> Just carry a few of them around. Yeah. That'll be excellent. All right, so into second position, we have the Tigers, Richmond, uh, sitting on sorry, 14 wins as well and four losses with a percentage of 133.5. So they looked fantastic. They were captained by Alan Geddes. Vice cap- captain was Don Don. Donald Don. Donald Don. Coached by Checker Hughes, Frank Checker Hughes again, and their lead goal kicker was Jack Baggett with 61. Mm. Checker Hughes claimed at the start of the season that the team were the best balanced and most capable team ever assembled. I mean, wow. That's a, that's <laughs> that's a, a big massive team. call. And usually we know when coaches make claims like this, they just they fall flat on their Yes, yeah, I know. But not so much not here. Not as much here, not no. Not so much. Um, at the start of the, before the season started, Tom O'Halloran and George Randolph, uh, Rudolph had both requested clearances to other teams, but they were, and they were work-related, but the club denied these and said they'd try and find them employment. That was it, yeah. I, re- I read that they were trying to yeah figure, that, figure out how they can, um, I, I figure they were, Denied because the club thought, well, we'll just help them out yeah. and figure out places for them to work so they can continue playing for us. Yep. 
Yep, round one, Richmond dismantled North Melbourne, holding them to 21 points for the day. Um, and following this, one of the earliest entries of free kick stats appeared in the Argus. Yeah. Richmond had 38, North Melbourne 56. Which is, yeah, quite a, quite a big uh, a gap there. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Round three, they defeated Collingwood by two points at Punt Road Oval. Collingwood had a chance to win the game with less than one minute remaining, but Frank Murphy missed a set shot at goal from about 20 yards out. Killer. Killer. Round four, they had a close tussle with Melbourne. Tom O'Halloran tried out this a new is style what I was thinking set about. shot, kicking at goal against Melbourne. He approaches parallel to the goal line and kicks the ball on the turn. This is what I th- thought you were talking about with Tom Fitzmaurice before. Okay, yeah. yeah. Was not successful with the ball repeatedly swinging to the left. Perhaps you should have tried out the old style as the Tigers lost by four points. Well, yeah, why as in you, run would... straight at the goals. Like, it, yeah. Why would you try and kick... Why, why you... would you try and experiment in a close game? Yeah. Also, why... If you're playing Hawthorne, yeah. sure. Why are you trying to experiment in a game? <laughs> Go to training and have a think about it. Ridiculous. Uh, round five, Percy Bentley is disqualified for three weeks for attempting to strike Paddy Scanlon from what, Footscray. He missed? Attempting. <laughs> he, he must have missed and hit the umpire. <sighs> Who knows? Richmond won by 14 points. <laughs> Uh, round seven, the Tigers beat Geelong at Punt Road Oval in horrible conditions. This is what you were talking about before. Their narrow mm. victory attributed to the fact they wore mittens to allow themselves to hold the ball better in the slippery conditions. It's like um, Travis Cloak's camel glove. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if they. I wonder if the VFL made a rule after this. <laughs> um, Bob O'Neill collapsed after the game. It was due to a knock to the head sustained during their three-point victory over oh, Geelong. God. Round nine, Richmond's score of 21 goals, 16, 142 against South Melbourne at Punt Road sets a new senior record for the club. Jack, Jack Baggett kicks a club record 12 goals and became the first senior player of Richmond to kick 10 or more goals in the game. Four balls were used during the game, including in error, one signed by leading players and intended to be raffled at the club's carnival. Surely you notice that before you throw it in, right? It's probably just a muddy game. <laughs> I love it. Uh, round 11, Junction Oval, the Tigers defeat St Kilda. Um, during, uh, after this, uh, Sugar Sparrow, the Saints coach and a former Richmond captain, visited the real Richmond rooms um, to speak of his everlasting warm spot for the yellow and blacks. I like that. That's oh. good man, Shug. Shug. Round 13, Richmond kick eight goals, 7.55 in the first quarter. That's at Carlton, massive. Including four in the first four minutes. To win by 26 points. Four in the first four minutes? Yep. Yeah, you're not coming back from that. No. Uh, now, mid-season, the team went on a trip to Mildura to play against the Mildura team. And this was really the first time old Jack Skinny Titus was used as a forward, and he kicked seven goals up there. Oh, it might work. Um, something else that happened up there, Charlie. Um, there was a little a little ditty. Oh, a little ditty. Written, written. Stop. Guess what? What? I've got my hands on it. No, you didn't. How? You know I've I've got my sources. I know you do. Fingers in pies all over the place. Yeah, it's called Eat Em Alive, written by Joe Edney. Do you want to have a listen? I would love to have a listen. I can hear the tigers roaring when the sun goes down at five. Oh, 
stayed a more alive. That is delightful. Is I really like it. Based on what? What's the original uh, song there? Joe Edney to the tune of Juju Dewey Day. I like it. It's a Jill Jill Dewey Day. Yeah, great times. Indeed, love a good song. Love a good song. Who doesn't, right? Um, actually, there was a second song as well, written by Tiny to the tune of Red Lips. I'll see if I can find this song as well. Mm. Uh, lyrics go like this: We'll introduce ourselves to you, although no doubt you're wondering who we are. We'll set your minds at ease before we go far. Now then, all together, boys, give them our war cry. Just when I count one, two, what do we do? Eat them alive. I love it. I love it. I feel like not enough is made of the eat them alive anymore. Really? I feel like we hear that all the time. Do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, finally, round 17, Richmond's score of 22-14-146 against Essendon at Punt Road is a new senior club record. Uh, with this win, Richmond will complete the season without sustaining a home defeat. And Jack Titus kicked nine goals for the Tigers. Massive. And uh, um, in that same game, Joe Murdoch kicked a behind from the centre circle, <laughs> which is just humongous. Yeah. I love it. Impressive. Very impressive. Which moves us into the top spot on the ladder. Top of the heap. Top of the heap. The only club we haven't yet talked about. The big mean machine that was Collingwood. The reigning premiers. The reigning premiers with 15 wins and three losses, 134.62. <coughs> Excuse me. That's all right. So, captained by Sid Coventry again, coached by Jock McHale again. again. And their lead goal was nuts, Coventry. Big Gordon again. with 89 again. Yeah. Unbel- yeah. And look, not a lot of changes to the team. No. Um, Charlie Milburn and Leo Westcott moved on. Uh, the team brought in Norm McLeod, Bruce Andrew, Percy Bowyer. Mm. Uh, Len Murphy and Les Angus, who was son of George Angus, the 1910 Premiership captain. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Now, rumours early on in the season was that uh, the Coventry brothers were leaving. But they really? shut these down pretty quickly. They were absolutely... The brothers based, The brothers shut it down? Yeah, based on nothing. Yeah, good. Maybe it was just uh, rumour. Yeah. Innuendo. Innuendo. Uh, round one, Geelong jumped Collingwood in the first quarter, but the Woodsmen fought back to win the game by goal. Um, and I like that during this game which was played down in Geelong, um, Jock McHale, the, the whole team walked from the station to the ground together. Together, nice. Yeah, well, Jock McHale insisted that they good. do that together. Solidarity. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Nuts Coventry picked off, picked up where he left off, kicking six in this game. <laughs> Round two, they raised their flag in the home opener. No, actually, we should say as well, they didn't succumb to the curse of the president's wife in there. They were able to win their opening game. Oh, good. But did they? who did unfill the flag at their first home game? Uh, that's a good question. I didn't actually look into that. Ah, <laughs> and did they win that one? They did. They oh, beat Fitzroy good, at okay. home in their home opener uh, by 35 points. Before the game, they sold a record 1,300 memberships to supporters. That's massive. In 1928. That's humongous, yeah. So they were, they're looking good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, round four, they had their first loss of the season to Richmond. Frank Murphy could have won it for them, but he missed a gettable shot in the dying minutes. Now, round seven, Sid Coventry missed the game against Collingwood due to the trouble he was having with Boyle. Sorry, against against who? You, you said uh, Collingwood. Sorry, round seven. Uh, he missed the game. I think it was the game against Carlton. Yeah, it was against yep. Carlton. Um, with Boyles. In, with Boyles. He had, a, he had a shoulder injury a shoulder injury from the previous week against um, North Melbourne. Uh, but, he yeah, he suffered from terrible Boyles, and he'd get treatment for that. But interestingly... In those four machine years, the 
the 27, 28, 29, 30. Yep. He only missed two games of those 82 games. And, and they, this and they was... were both in this season. Wow. Uh, round nine, a big clash occurred when Collingwood took on an undefeated Melbourne. The Fuchsias rattled on six goals in the first quarter. But the Pies kicked four of their own. It was a close game throughout. And the Pies had a, held on for a 12-point win. Yep. They did well. Yeah. They did well. Uh, Got to give it to them. Now, just before the game in round 12 against the Black Cats, uh, Geelong... The committee announced there was going to be a reduction in wages. Yeah. So for the for, for the past few years, everyone has been being paid three pounds. Yeah, and that's a that's a Jock McHale rule yeah, that everyone in Collingwood gets everyone paid. Everyone in gets paid the same. And they were going to continue to pay them the same, just slightly less. Yeah. So, so get down from three pounds to two, to two pounds, pounds ten. ten shillings. Yeah. Um and they were they were about to have a massive strike on their hands. Albert Collier. Well, because of this anyway, they they lost their game to Geelong by eleven points, had a bit of an effect on them. Yeah. But yeah, as you said, they had a, so they had a players only meeting. A, a couple of players. Um, I know Albert Collier, who was only a very young man at the yeah. time. I mean, I think he debuted last year, didn't he? Or maybe the maybe year before. before. Um, and somebody else who might, whose name escapes me right yeah. now were really leading it. Um, and they were... Playing with strike, was they refused were to play. that close to striking. And the only, way, the only way they stopped it was Sid Coventry. Yeah, the captain. He, he told them to buckle down, to... Yeah. Do what needed to be done. This will tear our team apart. Yeah, the, what's more important? Two shillings. I, I, I think that's right. Or is it twelve shillings? In a, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Twelve shillings in a pound. Some someone let me know. Okay. Uh, I think it's a bit yeah. Or or a flag. Yeah. And realistically, no one else could have done it except Sid. Yeah. He he pulled them back together. And that's a real captain, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And and did it? They averted strike action. Yeah. Um, and then they got back on their winning ways, although the end of their season wasn't quite as comfortable as they would have liked. Round 17, Gordon Coventry failed to kick a goal against North Melbourne um, and would only kick a total of four over the next four games. The reason being, which he revealed in a 1938 interview, that he got hit during one of the state games in the head and his balance was affected. And he ah. couldn't actually move in games. And he didn't tell anyone apart from his doctor for fear of being dropped. Even his brother? Yeah, he did, his brother yeah. didn't know. Yeah, Interesting. Um, they won five on the trot going into the last round. Into the last... Into, so going yeah, into round 18. Round, they yep. ran, but not convincingly. Um, the previous week in round 17, they'd only just gotten over North Melbourne by eight points. North Melbourne being, you know, pretty low on the ladder. Yeah. Um, and there was many speaking of the fact that Collingwood... They'd sewn up top spot by this time. They didn't need to play against Carlton, so they could they could rest a few. And, and there was lots of talk about bribery and things going yeah. on. Yeah. So you mentioned that before that... Essendon accused them. Yeah, I mean, Carl, as they do. taking bribes. Um, now, I don't know what you did. Did you hear much about? Oh, I've probably read the same things. You yeah, have, yeah, I'm sure. But so it was never proven, and no one was ever acu- really accused of taking a bribe. No. But Sid Coventry apparently came forward saying he had been approached. Yeah. Well, the rumor was two players had been paid fifty pounds. Yeah. To take a dive, and Sid Coventry had been approached as well. And and. Turned him away out of hand. Oh, he laughed it out, yeah. laughed it off. He's like, yeah. maybe I probably should have taken the bribe though, because I a played shocker. terribly yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah, but nothing, as you said, nothing, nothing was confirmed. Ever, nothing ever was confirmed. Um, interestingly enough, though, Carlton won that game over Collingwood, and Collingwood supporters did what you know they sometimes do—they booed their own team off the ground. Bronx cheers, Bronx classic. Cheers. Um, so Collingwood finishing on top, but not ending the season how you would like. No, and we, you've got you know. Often in previous years in finals, you've looked at it and said, okay, the team who's... You can pick the team who's going to win it, The team right? in form, yeah. Yeah. 
this year, even though Collingwood are the reigning premiers, you've you've got Richmond and Melbourne who have both got fourteen wins and have looked bl- really good at different times in the season. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think Carlton sort of aren't really in contention, but you know, yeah, yeah. you look at it that way. So, um. It, that's that's the season proper. That's the season proper. So now it's now time to go around the grounds. Yes, check in with Big Red. Yeah, fantastic. What's up, Big Red? Big Red's local footy roundup for your state and suburban football action. Sinking our teeth into grassroots football. All right, it's actually not Big Red today. Uh, Big Red's enjoying his honeymoon. So it's just plain old Tim uh, filling in for you around the grounds. I'm just going to go through these teams that have won. So in South Australia, we've got Port Adelaide winning their 10th premiership. In the Wacker, in the w- Waffle, sorry, we've got East Fremantle. Coburg go the three-peat in the VFA. Maine win the Queensland League. Newtown in Sydney. Echuca take out the Bendigo League. Ballarat in the Ballarat League. Up in the Kalgoorlie Football League, we've got Boulder City Football Club winning another one. In the Vaffa, we've got University Blacks. In Tasmania, the three winners are Bernie, going back-to-back, North Hobart and City. And in the Ovens and Murray, we've got Aubrey, we've got Bansdale in Gippsland, and in the Heathcote District Football League, we've got the Heathcote Rovers going back-to-back. I'll send it back to you boys uh, in the room, and hopefully we'll have Big Red back very shortly. Um, Now, very quickly, there were some state games, three different state weekends across the season. Um, Victoria drew with South Australia. They destroyed New South Wales. Uh, they just got over the Ovens and Murray League yeah. in the first weekend. Second week, they beat Western Australia. They defeated Ballarat. And then in the final uh, final weekend, they beat South Australia and Victoria. The VFL also beat Bendigo. So apart from that draw, almost a clean sweep. And this is three teams taken from one league playing... Yeah. Teams who have been who are the best of their league. Yeah, yeah. So they're looking pretty good. Yeah, the VFL is is showing its strength. Absolutely. Uh, now Brownlow. Yes. Announced on Wednesday, the fifth of September, the uh, Wednesday before finals begin. Love talking about the Brownlow this year. And the winner was Ivor Warren Smith of Melbourne. Going back to back. Going not well known. Oh, he sorry, missed no, it last year. Sorry. Yeah. He won it in twenty six. The first player to win. Two. Win. Yeah. To be yeah. a dual brown medalist. So he won it in twenty six. Now he's won it again. He had eight best on grounds. Yep, played all 18 games yep. for the club. Uh, Kaji Greaves came second. With five. With five. So yep. he, he won with, with three. Now, um, yeah, what a, it's, it's, it's hard to uh, sort of put in... He missed 27 because of a lot of injury. He could have potentially won three in a row because mm. um, he did get a couple of best ons when he did play the previous yep. year. Um, and this is all after... He fought in World War One and was gassed. That's right. On the fi- in the field, so he had massive lung issues for his entire life. So he's he's. Can you? I mean, it's hard <laughs> Imagine to if you didn't have that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sporting Globe said that Smith combines skills with brains, a combination which enables him to outwit his opponents on the field. He goes all over the place, um, and it, it and it is this ubiquitousness which puzzles other sides. Mm. He plays a lone hand wandering hither and thither at will but never disorganising his teammates with his moves. He reserves himself to put forth the maximum amount of effort at the final stages of the game. Yeah, well I mean, what can you say? Bring him back! (laughs) Dig him up! Bring him back! (laughs) We need him! 
Jesus, don't we? Now, finals. That moves us into finals. Here's a really interesting thing I found, Come which on. would have been awesome if they'd done it. A Victorian firm approached Carlton and the VFL, VFL with the idea of using their aircraft to drop the ball to start the finals. Stop it! Um, but the concern was that if an umpire couldn't al- always guarantee a good bounce from the ground, how would a bombardier <laughs> be able to do it? <laughs> I like that. It's probably more likely. The so. idea was shelved for another meeting, <laughs> disappointingly. I love that so much. It's too good. <laughs> Could you imagine? That would be... Um, like, imagine them doing that now. I would absolutely well, love that. they have that. the flyover on grand final there, don't they? Yeah. But imagine them dropping the ball out. That'd be fantastic. Ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. It'd be so good. Um, so, yeah, moving into the finals. So the first final, first semi, was Richmond and Carlton yep. on the 8th of September. A massive crowd. A massive crowd of 66,381. Apparently the gate receipts were almost £3,500. Is this the biggest crowd ever? I believe so. Wow. I believe so at this stage. Um and as you can probably imagine, Carlton, sorry, Richmond smashed them. Yeah. Uh, final, final score being Carlton's 9-10-64 to Richmond's 17-15-117. Yeah, Jack Tyler's kicking six goals. Um, Richmond captain Alan Geddes was disqualified for eight weeks, though, striking Carlton's Tommy Downs. Uh, Downs received 12 weeks himself for striking Jack Fincher. Another interesting story as well, Joe Kelly of Carlton gashed his head when he collided with a policeman who had intruded onto the field. One of the Carlton officials jokingly told Ray Brook to call for a play account. <laughs> um, and in this game as well, umpire Jack McMurray Sr. played a record 129 free kicks. Oh, that's bigger than Elders 111, isn't it? <laughs> that's huge. Jesus. Yes. So right. Richmond... Um, had the right to, p- to play the grand final now. Yeah. Well, in theory, depending on the results. Yeah, that's it. So the second semi of uh, the next weekend on the 15th of September in front of 41,423 was Melbourne Collingwood. And geez, wasn't it a ripper? As we would always expect at yep. this time between these two teams. Uh, very close the entire game. Well, yeah, yes and no. Was Yeah, sort of. Collingwood, oh, no, always sorry. Held, Collingwood always held a bit of a you know a bit of a gap yeah, on Melbourne very for the close, first three quarters. Well, quite close up until halftime, and then Collingwood sort of pushed it out in the third quarter, and Melbourne finished very strong. Yeah, but it, still, it looked like Collingwood were just going to be that little bit too far ahead. So at three quarter time, it was an even five goal margin. But the game, and with the game seemingly won, the, the Magpies just went cold. They stopped. Yeah, they kind of took their took their foot off the accelerator accelerator a little bit. Yeah, Warren Smith in, really inspired them. He, uh, the team kicked six, uh, three in the first six minutes, twice through Johnson and then one through Dean before Gordon Coventry attempted a short pass instead of a shot at goal. Yep, and he failed to score. Seconds before the siren, Tommy McConville manned. stormed through three packs to kick the tying goal. From the bounce, Melbourne launched another attack through Jack Hall. Yep. It was thwarted when the bell rang again to end the match. The first drawn finals game That's ever. That's it. First drawn finals game ever. And so 9-8-62, both of them, which means we come back again. And it's quite ironic that it's Collingwood as well, knowing that they've had they've three had drawn, three, grand, oh, yeah. two drawn grand finals. It's unbelievable, isn't it? So we're looking at... Um, a second semi-final The replay. week after. The yeah. week after. So in front of even more people this time, 42,175. Yep. 
Very close again. Similar, very similar. Very similar. Very similar. Yeah, Collingwood sort of had had Melbourne by a goal at quarter time, a goal again at at half time, and then pushed out not quite as far, about two goals ahead at three quarter time, and Melbourne started coming back, and it almost happened again. They almost had them at the end of that second quarter coming through crashed packs, but couldn't quite get the ball out in time. And Collingwood managed to win the game by four points. Four points. I'll tell you what Melbourne did win, though. The free kick count, 64 to 46. Ah, oh, good. Yeah, including including 33 for out of bounds. <laughs> oh, my God. Stan, Bunny Whitman got nine of those free kicks as well. Well, they were obviously targeting the great man. Yeah. Bunny shooting. Mm. <laughs> um, which brings us to the grand final. Which brings us to the grand final. Collingwood having the right to well, reply. So reply, yeah, if so Richmond want to win this... Premiership, they've got to beat them, them twice. Yeah. Also, remembering Richmond have had two weeks off, well, three, yeah, exactly. three weeks effectively, which people would have thought was a a bonus. Yeah. But we know now it not it's often a poison chalice, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. All these days, it definitely well, is often a little bit. And it seems as though that may have been the case this day. Indeed. So Donald Don had to be captain for this game because of Alan Getty's suspension. Yes. And uh, it was also going to be his last game after twelve yeah. seasons at the club. So uh, let's let's speak to the captain of the winning side. Yeah, let's uh, let's boot up that old way back when machine. Fantastic. Uh, hello again, Sid. Oh, uh, boys, good to hear from you again. Uh, very pleased to be chatting with you once more. As are we, Sid. Back to back premierships for the Collingwood machine. How does it feel? Uh, really good. Really good. Uh, okay, now very quickly, Sid, you missed two games this year, which is very unlike you. Can you tell us uh, and our listeners what happened? Um, fellas, I, I had boils. Um, look, I was I was greatly troubled with them, and they they seriously interfered with um, training and playing. Then I started uh, taking some uh, Vita yeast in warm milk morning and night, and uh, not only did it completely rid my system of the boils, but it also provided a wonderful tonic. Um, topping up my whole system, especially my nerves, which at that period were not in very good shape. Um, I can't re- recommend it too highly for any athletes in training out there. Oh, that's good to hear, Sid. Uh, now, look, on to football. Another great season, finishing on top. Um, but some say you limped into the finals with that disappointing loss to Carlton. Yeah, look, they got on top of us. Uh, but you had top spot and it didn't seem concerned, although many were calling the team lethargic and slow... Yeah, look, some of us were. <laughs> I had a bit of a shock at myself. Uh, so you played your first final against Melbourne and looked great back on track for three quarters, a machine clicking in all the right places. And then that last quarter, you just stopped. Yeah, w- look, we did, yeah. Um, look, Melbourne got right back in the game and, and geez, we were worried. Um, Ivor Warren-Smith was playing like a man possessed. Uh, we looked tired out there and w- we were really lucky to have drawn that game in the end. Yeah, the first drawn final in league history, Sid. What was it like when the siren sounded? Oh, look, um, I suppose it was a, a really strange feeling. We, we were happy not to lose, but, um, but disappointed we, all, we didn't win at the same time. Um, look, I just turned to my nearest opponent and shook his, shook his hand and said, see you next week, fella. Now, the re- replay the next week was almost an identical game. Three quarters of magpie brilliance and only for Melbourne to come hard in that last quarter. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was it? Six in the six goals in the last quarter. I think it was. Uh, lucky for us, we kicked a few ourselves and just um, scraped over the line. And in that meantime, your opponents, Richmond, they enjoyed a two-week break and were fresh as a daisy after their win over Carlton. Many people said they'd run rings around you. Ah, uh, look, that that was a concern. We did really worry over that. 
And we heard that Jock McHale thought this as well and that he changed pace a little bit at training in the lead-up to the big game. Yeah, look, he, he, he good on him. He noticed we were all looking pretty worn out on Thursday night. Um, so we only had a light run on the track before uh, before coming in for a team meeting just to discuss the tactics we were going to have for the weekend. That's a bit, <coughs> that's a bit unprecedented. Look, um, it was, but I, but I really thought it was a great idea. Jock and I just wanted to talk um, about things as a team and it seemed to uh, yeah, work really well. What did you talk about? Uh, look, we just talked about uh, their whole team uh, line by line and, and the deficiencies and how we could uh, really play them to our best advantage. How you would. So you were confident? Yeah, yeah. Look, that um, that was one, there was one thing that really helped us a lot. Um, I think Richmond was really bringing with confidence and um, that's a great thing for a side. But look, it seemed to us that they were maybe just a little bit short, too sure of their own ability um, to dominate the, ho- the whole field. And your plan was to suck them in? Yeah, look, uh, Richmond have some really fine players, but some of them are easily annoyed and thrown out of their natural stride, even by jokes made at their expense on the field. Um, our men knew that if the Richmond team found themselves a bit disorganised, a wonderful effort had been needed to pull them together again. So everything you did today, all that niggling and harassing, that was to elicit a response? Absolutely, look, yeah, but... but it was always we were always to play the ball first, as Jock, as Jock told us. Um, at every minute of the game, regardless of what might occur, and it seemed to work. Um, although, as a result, you had George Clayton and Harry Collier felled during various parts of the game. Yeah, look, that was that was pretty unfortunate. That. Uh, now, something else you did today was change and rest players throughout the game, specifically your big men. What was the thinking there? Oh, look, we decided to run, run plenty of men in the ruck and we put them on the ball for two or three minutes, resting other, other men and bringing those useful fellows into the fray with a bit of extra dash and pace that left the big Richmond men behind all the time. We had the Richmond followers puzzled all day and by three-quarter time, our big men were still fresh. Yeah, your ruck division was like a revolving door. Yep, sent a fresh man... Send fresh man after fresh man into the ruck. Uh, Leader Collier played ruck for the first time. Harold Rumney had a turn two. Len Murphy. In fact, anyone who could run fast enough had a shot in the pack. And while we kept Percy Rowan ice and Richmond didn't take a tumble and their best ruckmen were run into the ground. Now, uh, let's talk about Percy Rowe because he had a special role today, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, can you elaborate on how he helped Gordon Coventry today? Yeah, look, he came into this game with the specific purpose of providing nuts with protection in the forward line. And it worked, didn't it? Uh, No one thought it would be possible for one man to shoulder such a big burden, but Roe thought lightly of it. Perth saved Gordon from any interference in going for marks, and to a man who relies on his marking ability, it means the difference between the nine goals he got and the two or three he might have got if he didn't have have him there. Uh, What exactly was old Perth told to do? Look, he, he was just refused to allow any defenders to get near uh, my old dear brother. <laughs> he was absolutely buggered by the end of the game. You would have seen him uh, He was blocking, pushing, bumping and just generally harassing the Tiger defenders all day. He did his job. Did you have any words for your dear brother before the game? <laughs> yeah, I gave nuts a challenge. I said, all I said was, is, a lot depends on you today. Um, and nine goals, what an impressive haul. <laughs> yeah, look. It's unheard of in a grand final, isn't it? But if uh, if anyone was going to do it, it was going to be nuts. Now, your Magpies ran out 33-point winners. After the many obstacles you faced throughout this year, was this a better team than last year? Oh, look, last year we faced huge pressure to win the flag, and this year we were able to enjoy our football more. And with luck on our side, that look, the season threw up many obstacles, but we were able to overcome each one to get to the grand final. And, you know, once you get there, we just knew we could win it. 
Um, so, surely with nine goals, uh, Gordon Coventry was best on ground today. Would you agree? Look, it's yeah, it's, it's hard to move away from that. And he, he, as as you said, Nuts had a superb day, but. Um, also, Percy Rowe just did his job to absolute perfection. Uh, but Leader was the biggest man on the field today for me, mostly because the Tigers just couldn't find a way around him. He was an absolute rock in defence. Yeah, look, that's a good defender's always worth his weight in gold. Look, Sid, lovely to chat. Um, we shan't hold you up. I can hear the shouts of joy from your supporters in the background. You've obviously got a lot to do. So I'll, I'll let you go. Absolutely. Uh, guys, it's been my pleasure again. I wouldn't mind if we did it all again next year. All right. Sounds good, Sid. Thanks. Uh, always good to hear from Sid. Yeah, jeez. It's like getting blood from a stone, getting any from anything from him, oh, but it's good good, good to, to hear, hear from him. He's, he's excited in his own way. Yeah, exactly, exactly, in his own very quiet way. So Collingwood, second premiership in a row by 33 points. Richmond's 9-9-63, nowhere enough to get over Collingwood's 13-18-96. Yeah, so 33-point win there for Collingwood. Back-to-back premierships for the first time since 1902-1903. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and now they have seven flags as well, just like Fitzroy. Even with Fitzroy, so they're on top. If we go alphabetically. Top, alphabetically, yep. you know the rules. I know the rules. You know how I feel. Indeed. So, shall we do a wrap-up of the season? Yep, very quickly. Carlton won the reserves flag. They defeated Geelong 126-95. to 95 For the third year in, in a, a row. In a standalone game as well because of the draw. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, third year in a row they won that. Which is which is pretty good considering they can't get the job done in the, in the big leagues. In the big you know? leagues. Yeah. Um, quite a few retirements as well. The, we um, just mentioned Don Don. We did. So, the 100 Years of Football book, has each, each year it has a list of retirements. But it's a very poor list, I oh, must yeah. say. There's it, only it two players two there, and three, I've got yeah. a list here of so many more. Massive. Uh, yeah, so we've got Donald Don of Richmond, 159 games, 157 goals, two premierships. Harold Carter of Fitzroy and Carlton, 101 games, 88 goals. Harry Davey, Melbourne and Carlton, mm. 58 games, 186 goals. That is huge. Greg Stockdale of Essendon, 106 games, 189 goals, two premierships. Frank Marr, 137 games. Many 118 of those consecutively. 12 goals, captain coach, two-time premiership player. Uh, we've got Bert Sutton of South Melbourne and Hawthorne. We've got Charlie Panham. 97 for Collingwood, 45 for South, 142 in total. Um, two premierships, so 1917 and 1919. Yep. He sat out for four years and he had six years as South Melbourne coach. So imagine how many he could have had if he... Uh, yeah, if he played those four years. How many more games he'd have, yeah. yeah. four years. Gordon Ratray played his last game, eight, 87 games, 65 goals, one premiership. Goldie Collins, 64 games, champion of the colony. How many uh, How many suspensions? <laughs> <laughs> 22, he was part of the men's team, the man's team in 22. Cliff Rankin played his final game, 153 that games, 400 massive, goals. Massive loss. Premiership captain coach. And Percy Rowe, 69, uh, 96 games, uh, with Collingwood, and we know how important he was in that game. And did we also not say that? Um, uh, who else was it for um, Geelong? Um, Lloyd oh, Hagger. Hagger. Did we, did we say did we that he, the year before? I don't know. I think didn't. he wrapped. Oh, maybe we did. I think he might. Did he come back? He might come. He back. did come. Oh, but he, no, I think he oh, might come he, back in okay. the future. All right. He le- you're, you're, sorry. He did leave for work, didn't yeah. he? So maybe he does. Maybe we'll leave it there. 
Um, now, let me just check my phone to see what Kazman has decided. Ah, yeah. So we've heard some names. While you're while you're checking that, let's uh, I'll lead us through the wrap up. Yeah. So we've got the 1928 Premiership team being Collingwood. The lead goal kicker for the year was Big Gordon Coventry with 89 goals. The winner of the 28 Brownlow medal, Ivor Warren Smith of Melbourne with eight votes, as make we that, said. Make that two for him. Yeah. Hawthorne's taken the wooden spoon again for the second year in a row. Uh, and Carlton, as Tim just said, was the won the seconds premiership. They did. So we've got the... Uh, who uh, what was our highest score for the year? Our highest score, yes, uh, was I believe Carlton again. There was twenty two goals, seventeen one hundred and forty nine. Lovely, and the McCracken name. Well, award. here's the thing. So, in in giving it to Jazz Legs Gambetta last week, that means he's held it since he debuted. So yes. that's five years in a row. Gambetta's had the best name. Interesting. Yeah. However, we have a new winner. Yes, I love it. This is what the Casman says. He says, Hollington, London sounds like a bourbon. I like it. <laughs> we have a new I winner. like that. I like that a lot. Excellent. He, Hollington, he, London. He might have played one game. Yeah, who cares? But he's got this. That's his he's eligible. One game, he kicked one goal. He didn't kick a goal. Yeah, he did. Did he? Yeah, he kicked one goal. Oh, he's kicking. He's, he's winning And he's everywhere. just kicked another. Fantastic. Right. Um, excellent. So, very nice way to end the season there with uh, that name. Absolutely. And that, I believe, brings us to the end of our episode. It does. It certainly does. Now, by the time you guys listen to this, we will have done our live episode. Yes, which is, uh, which is what, coming three days up. From, two days three from now. Day, yeah. yeah, two days from now on the 2nd, yeah. of, 2nd of June. Yes. Uh, so that audio will either be up shortly or soon. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we, will, uh, we look forward to seeing whoever is down there down there uh or we have we enjoyed we, seeing enjoy, you. we enjoyed seeing you this is a strange conversation yeah. but um thanks everyone again for listening we yeah we we love it so let's take off some more of those states of america that's it we need to yeah we need to get we need to the, get down um, we've got the down North, into the bayou we've got we, we need the dakotas now we've got the uh carolinas let's get dakotas yes yeah that's what we need are there any east and wests? No. 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 We just no. got the north and south. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you guys all for listening and uh tune in next time for uh for well, no, there will be a break between the uh, the machine years for our a live episode. Well that'll just be slotted in, I think, for the eighteen ninety seven section. So oh, perfect. Yeah. Make sure you go back and check it out. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Right. All right. Thanks guys. Hooroo. You can contact Kick to Kick by email at kick to kick podcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at kick to kick pod or instagram which is at kick to kick pod as well for our growing list of all our references please go to kick to kick slash p slash reference dash list thank you very much for listening